The Women's World Cup continues in Australia and in New Zealand, uh, if you've been watching that at all. Good day for Canada yesterday. They beat Ireland. Uh, their second game of the tournament, their first win. Uh, they opened with a scoreless draw against Nigeria. Uh, the soccer there, of course, the big story, and there's a lot of interest in women's soccer in this country, as you know, with the Olympic Championship. And there's, I mean, there's an outside shot they could be in contention at this World Cup. Bit of a long shot, but hey, hey, they're the Olympic champs, so you don't count them out. Um, but throughout all the coverage of the actual soccer and the games that are being played, there's a, a big conversation that's going on in a number of different countries. It's not just Canada, uh, surrounding funding for the program. Uh, national programs around the world trying to come to terms, including Canada, like I said, with their players, um, and not just the women in our country either, the men's team uh, in the same struggle. And last week, or earlier this week, rather, uh, the men's team sort of escalated that battle that they're having with the federation that controls soccer in this country. They sent out cease and desist letters to sponsors and to the national federation saying, hey, no more using us. You can't use our name. You can't use our image. You can't use our likeness in advertising anymore. That's how we're taking the next step in this battle, which is kind of interesting. So let's find out what's going on and where this might lead and just how nasty this seems to be getting. We're going to speak with Taylor McKee, who is an assistant professor of sport management at Brock University. Taylor, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. So to have the details right, essentially it's the players just saying, hey, listen, go ahead and do what you want to do, but leave us out of it. Don't use us as part of your marketing and advertising, right? Yeah, absolutely. You frame that perfectly. This is essentially uh, an escalation of a fight that's been going on for about a year now. And it certainly is a fight that is distinct with both national teams. And I think that that's something that uh, has really come to the forefront. And that is to say, the men's team has a specific set of requests. The women's team has a specific set of requests. And those requests are not necessarily commensurate all the time. And that's something that I think we're headed towards a, a further impasse uh, in, in the months to come here. And on the men's side, it's really an ugly struggle because it pits the Canadian soccer officials and, and those who support Canadian soccer uh, against this emerging new Canadian professional league, the CPL. And it, it, that might not immediately be apparent when you first look at this struggle, but it has to do with this rather bizarre business arrangement yeah. made between Canada soccer and Canada soccer business. Explain that to us, because even MPs in Ottawa have called on Canada soccer and said, listen, what did you guys do? What is this partnership they've agreed to? Well, it's sort of, you can imagine a situation in which a deal was was conceived of during a time in which Canada soccer was in a completely different stage in their sort of evolution as a national sport. And one of the main concerns, or if you're a fan of soccer in this country, is the the lack of domestic professional options and the fact that players have to leave at 15, 16 years old to to go pursue professional options south of the border or abroad. Very, very quickly, wouldn't it be great if they could stay home past 16, into their 20s, into their 30s even, and there'd be a domestic league at home. So the Canadian Premier League was created. Now, this arrangement, though, with Canadian soccer business is bizarre. It's, and they essentially pay a licensing fee, an annual fee, of 3 to $4 million bucks a year to Canada soccer. And in exchange for that fee, that flat fee of 3 to $4 million, they get all of the revenue from all of their sort of media rights and sponsorship deals. That includes Nike, CIBC, Gatorade, GE, Visa, you name it. Uh, they get all of that money. And Canada Sports... Canada's soccer business uh, operates the CPL. Now, that's not all they do, but in this, this, this struggle that's coming with the men's national team, they've really honed in on CSB's arrangement with the CPL. Yeah. Uh, in, in a previous letter, they sort of uh, denigrated the, the professional standing of the league, which is kind of an 
a bit of an icky look for the for the men's team there, I would think. And even in their most recent communication here, they allude to CSB operating for-profit entities, and I think that is a direct shot at the CPL. When you take a look at this escalation and saying, hey, don't use us in your marketing or advertising anymore, it really is the best weapon they have. I'm thinking of Alfonso Davies. I'm not a soccer guy. I don't follow soccer, but I know Alfonso Davies. Um, so if you are trying to market soccer in Canada and you don't have access to the likes of an Alfonso Davies, that's a pretty big weapon to be yielding in this battle, isn't it? Absolutely, and they are counting on what you just mentioned there, right? That you might not know soccer in this country, but it's certainly if you're from Alberta, you're going to know Alfonso Davies because he is quite heavily marketed. There's a national media campaign right now, I believe with Bank of Montreal, that uses Alfonso Davies quite prominently in a series of commercials. It's been going on now for well over a year, maybe close to two years now. They're they're basically banking on the fact that we can kneecap a lot of these media uh, tools, because again, if you consider how that Canada soccer business deal was arranged, that was a large part where that revenue comes from. We can take the sting out of what the, those campaigns are aimed to do by denying them of their product. And this is because these cease and desist orders are able to be served because again, they're trying to negotiate a new collective agreement. So they're basically saying in the absence of an extended collective agreement, stop using it while we're negotiating. Can it be done in the context of this partnership with um, the organization that controls the purse strings? Because, I mean, we've got a World Cup. We're going to be sharing the hosting of the World Cup duties. We've got all the spotlight that's happening around the world. I mean, soccer is extremely marketable and probably, you know, generating some revenue in this country. But at the same time, you've got Canada soccer openly musing about we have to take a look at the possibility of bankruptcy. So, I mean, how much of that is posturing in terms of the negotiations and how real is it that you know what they just can't meet the demands of the players well it's a mess frankly <laughs> it's a complete mess and, and as well you frame that there i mean you have this arrangement with the canada soccer business which is a bad arrangement to begin with now yeah. if you consider the the elevated uh, position that soccer has with the men's qualifying for a most recent world cup but it's about to hit overdrive when there's a home World Cup coming and down the pike. You can imagine how valuable those rights are going to be. And they signed an arrangement for 20 years, which is Jeez. not exactly precedented stuff. That is very, very, very bizarre. And, and, you know, a lot of people paid for that with their jobs in terms of various or their roles, I should say, in, in Canada soccer. And MPs and many others have said, you have to renegotiate this deal with Canada soccer business, figure it out. And they've assured people that, no, we're going to, I think the word they used was modernize the arrangement, whatever that means. Uh, but we have no details, neither do the players. And they're pretty upset about this because that 3 to $4 million annual fee that they pay to Canada Soccer, I mean, that's going to be pennies considering what it's worth for the home world. Right. Now, yes, they signed the arrangement before it was announced that Canada is one of the host nations, but you could have reasonably assumed that it was going to be a North American World Cup, and I think it was just extremely short-sighted and, and just truly without much precedent to sign a 20-year arrangement. So do, do you see a resolution, Taylor? Like you say, this deal's going on for, for years and years and years. You've got the men's team saying enough is enough. You've got Canada soccer saying we can't do it. I mean, is there a resolution to be found here? I think a level of transparency from Canada soccer business would help here. If they yeah. said, look, this yep. is actually how much money we're bringing in, and this is what you're entitled to. The ugliness of the fight for me, and I think for a lot of Canadian soccer fans, is this division between the men's national team and the Canadian Premier League. Uh, this is a, a league that has had you know, a lot of growth, some some stumbling blocks, so certainly obviously in, in one of your home markets here, yep. in Edmonton being yep. an example. Um, new leagues struggle. It's, it's difficult. This is normal and, and relatively expected. But the, the point is, 
it is undeniably good for the health of soccer in the country to have domestic professional leagues. And if your national team has, is pitted against it, that is a very, very, very bad luck. Even though we've had, I think, three or four call-ups to the national team from the CPL directly, Dominic Satora most recently being an example of that, uh, Victor Latore as well, it, it just... It's not a, a sustainable arrangement here. We're asking about resolutions. Perhaps Canada Soccer Business could allow the men's national team to have some sort of, of cut of CPL revenues. Right, yeah. Revenues are even you know a thing if we're able to open their books a little bit in that regard. But I think transparency is, is the path towards a resolution here in some regard. Uh, well, let's hope that there's some sort of uh, yeah, progress towards that, Taylor, because it is a mess, as you characterize it. That's the perfect characterization. Thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me, Shay.